Welcome to Pros and Cons, a show about random topics. I'm Kev. And I'm Jack. Let's talk about the NBA playoffs in the bubble. Yeah, I mean, we did a preview episode for it at the end of July when it was starting up. And I think both of us, if I remember right, weren't totally sure if it, you know, feel as interesting or exciting as normal. It's the same thing with, like, all the sports. We just kind of skeptical on, like, how everything was going to go. No fans. No fans. I mean, it's 2020. Like, we're kind of expecting the worst out of everything. Mm-hmm. Wishing for the best, but, you know, getting ready for the worst or for, like, a mess. And, hey, the bubble came through clutch, though. Yeah, should we just start off there overall? Would you say that the bubble was a pro? Yeah, at first, the idea, again, super weird and strange. Players locked up. Rumors and, like, journalists were out there just saying, like, oh, this is a bad idea, you know players want to get out you know they need strippers they need the hoes <laughs> it was just like bad this bad a lot of negative talk around it and then we fast forward to today which we're recording this right as the world champion los angeles lakers take the chip <laughs> we'll get to that later but the bubble was a massive success like no positive test right nope Super clean. I mean, can't compare that to other sports, which baseball, massive fail, football. Well, at least at first, but yeah. Yeah, like it got iffy for a little period of time. NFL's going through their motions right now as we speak. Basketball, pretty flawless. Again, got a little weird with the fucking uh, virtual crowd. I still Mm -hmm. don't. (laughs) Might be one of the cons for me. I mean, I don't hate the idea. It just looks weird, funny. Sometimes a player will make, like, the clutchest three of their life, but they're, you know, 30 seconds behind on clapping. <laughs> but outside of that, uh, the sounds were good. It looked good on TV. The whole thing where, like, you could hear the players, the trash talk, and, like, it was super intimate. It was dope. I liked that aspect of it. And, I mean, the whole COVID thing and it being super locked down, you can't hit on that. That's probably, like, the whole point of the whole thing, and it went pretty flawless, if you ask me. So, pro the bubble. Like you were saying, in terms of setting the bar at a certain level across different sports leagues, the NBA has set it at the top. You know, we don't know when this is going to end. We don't know, like, when certain sports will come back again while still in the pandemic and so forth. For now and for going forward, it's just like this is the perfect model to do it. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like everyone can make this happen. Obviously, there's difficulties with doing that, especially for a whole league with, like, in baseball, 30 different teams, you know, and, like, different types of fields for setting up a court and stuff, which we've talked about in that episode. And in general, with these other sports, there are other things you can do. But luckily for the NBA, it works out where they were able to make it happen in this way. And also, luckily for them, they were at the end of the season where only a limited amount of teams had to go because they only played the end of the season and then it was just the playoffs after. So who knows like what they'll do for next season, which they're figuring out in terms of when that'll even start and what that'll look like with the whole league playing and if it'll be a full season and et cetera, because obviously this is like a whole different timeline for the NBA. Usually this is when the new season would have been starting again. Mm -hmm. So... You know, they have stuff to figure out. We don't have to worry about that right now. But, 
Yeah, I would say the bubble overall was a big pro. Like you said, there was a lot of speculation on if NBA players could handle it. And we did see, you know, the occasional ones like Lou Williams, who we talked about before, who made their little escapes. But pretty much everyone embraced the bubble, you know, like they were really into it. You know, we saw Matisse Thibault's vlogs, everyone having fun, doing different things. And Jimmy Butler even starting a coffee company. Like, players were getting creative. Players were having fun. There was enough to do there. And I initially was, like, somewhat skeptical, I think, on Disney being the place for it, too. But I think it ended up being, like, a perfect spot because they already had all these other things of entertainment there from swimming to golf to rides to whatever like there was enough to keep the players entertained off the court and all this built-in stuff already for food and these different things so shout out to everyone who made that happen because you made it work and on top of that yeah the product of the games ended up being better than i expected i think it was like once the stakes really kicked in that's when it got more interesting and you kind of forget about some of the other stuff you know yeah that's true at first it was more like let's see how this is gonna work let's get these trash teams out of the way (laughs) like like you mentioned not every team was in there just the ones that had a chance to make it or that were gonna make it just from the records so far that they had played in the season and then yeah like once the playoffs actually started and they kicked in and you started to see like fun play and the the highlights, the the moments like you know like moments with Luca, which we'll talk about, and other players. And you're like, hey, fuck it, like this is still basketball. This is still yeah. the game that we like to watch, especially in the playoffs, and worked out pretty well. So respect. You know, we're not saying it's as good as if it was what it was normally with the crowd roaring and etc. But it's still like when those big moments happen. At least for me, like I said, as the stakes were there, you just get sucked into the game and it still feels like a big moment. And there's also like a, you know, social thing to it in the sense of not physically being around everyone, but it's something where you feel like everyone or a lot of people are kind of watching. At least for us who know a lot of basketball people, whether personally or that we follow on social media or both. And so it feels still in a way like a communal kind of thing. Yeah, agreed. But let's get started and just briefly get to where the season kind of ended and the playoffs started. Because it was pretty fun. Like we mentioned, not every team was in there. But what was it? There was a team that went like 8-0 and or something like the that. The Suns. The Suns, think, right? Yeah. They did that, but they still didn't make it. Still so. didn't make it. So that's the sad part of the story. But the Suns came to the bubble It was, I feel like they were almost a team that they threw in there, like, as we need one more team, y'all, like, (laughs) just, you know, so the Lakers could play someone, (laughs) and they came in fucking blazing. Devin Booker, not that he's, like, underrated or anything, but he kind of, like, cemented himself as, like, dude, he should be spoken of, like, at the high levels of, like, the superstars of the game right now. But we saw that, and it was pretty fun, and unfortunately, they didn't make it. I do think... If a team goes undefeated during that run, they should have made it. You have to. But, I mean, speaking of another possibly underrated player, Dame. Is he, though? This is one of those, like, basketball head conversations where (laughs) I feel like I don't have enough info to fully get into. But the conversation is that Dame 
Damian Lillard, if you guys don't know, plays for the Blazers, point guard. Pretty nice player, right? But never gets the respect he should because of people like Stephen Curry, Russell Westbrook. Give me another one. I think there's another one. James Harden. James Harden. And like Chris Paul, who are point guards, his same position, but they're always regarded like a little bit better than him. Again, this was another case where Dame just showed up and was putting up performances like we hadn't quite seen of him before. I mean, we've seen him hit clutch shots and have like great games, but he was just dominating. Yeah, I mean, last year I feel like was a little bit of a even more breakthrough moment for him, especially with that big shot he hit. But I do agree that it keeps elevating and he keeps becoming even more of a star where he just demands that respect yeah and again it's kind of performing like this without a super team like we've seen before with other players he's kind of doing it like all on his own yeah but unlike the suns him and the blazers did make it to the playoffs so they snuck in but they had to play the Lakers in the first round and i mean there was a bit of a spoiler And, I mean, if you're alive and you're listening to this at this point, I hope you know that the Lakers won. Facing the Lakers first gave him no shot and didn't really give Dame a chance to have another great, like, playoff experience like there was last year. It was very short-lived this time for him. Yeah, and then with the other L.A. team, the Clippers, who, you know, that was a proposed matchup all year, Lakers versus Clippers to play, which will get into that storyline later but for this round they played the Mavs the Dallas Mavericks and they did end up winning the series but in one of the games I don't even remember which one Luka Doncic who has been establishing himself as well as a really big star in the league even though he's really young he hit this crazy game-winning shot that to me kind of kicked off those stakes of the playoffs i was like all right after that like the playoffs are on that was just kind of the on and off switch for me being interested yeah and i don't even think i sound crazy when i say that that was probably like my favorite moment of the playoffs at least Mm -hmm. when it comes to being a memorable moment and like one single shot yeah like one single shot lovable kid is luca what is he like 19 20 years old export you know from the motherlands of europe i don't know somewhere (laughs) i'm not european but y'all get the point Um, he's just like the new person to watch and does not disappoint i think they went up to like the last game right game five or game seven whatever it was obviously they didn't win but every game was super like intense and must watch just because he was gonna put up a great performance It was against, like, the great Clippers team, which were favorites for many people. Luka, to me, made this, like, a very memorable year. In terms of, you know, you're talking about your favorite or the biggest shot of the playoffs, Mm. I was actually talking to my dad about this earlier because we were just talking about the end of the finals and about AD, and he was talking about that big shot that AD hit as a buzzer beater or right at the end of... That game against the Nuggets, I think you could argue for either of those. I would agree, like, me personally, I enjoyed the Lucas shot more. Yeah. That was also, like, him coming off a 40-point triple-double in that game. And he's 21, by the way, from Mm -hmm. Slovenia. 
and great country <laughs> him and mj are the only players in nba playoff history to have that and then hit a buzzer beater while trailing and when jordan did it that was with the shot quote-unquote you know the shot so you know that's good company yeah i think this is part of it for me because it wasn't just like the shot i feel like it was the moment and everything surrounding yeah, the narrative it. Yeah, like, there was, like, a hype, almost. I mean, I don't want to throw it up there with <laughs> the legendary Linsanity moment, <laughs> but it felt something similar, at least for, like, that week or something where, like, oh, shit, Luca or, like, the Mavs are playing Luca and the hype, right. and we're, like, on a group chat with friends where, like, every shot that would go in, I feel like there was a text, like, yo, oh, my God, how <laughs> how's he doing that? Or And somehow he just kept, like, outdoing himself and just kept making the shots and... I mean, obviously, hit the buzzer beater. It was like the cherry on top. Like, oh, this dude is unstoppable. At the same time, we were starting to see signs that maybe the Clippers weren't quite ready for what was to come, including struggles for Paul George, a.k.a. Playoff P. But let's save that for the next round or so for them because they advanced. And then otherwise, in the West... Western Conference for the rest of the first round. The Rockets beat the Thunder in a seven-game series. And the Nuggets beat the Jazz also in a seven-game series. Both of those were really competitive. Really competitive. Denver 1 became a little bit of a story just because Mm -hmm. this is when their 3-1 comeback started, right? Yeah. That one's super strange because to me, like Utah and the Jazz, I mean, Denver and the Jazz are almost like the same teams. (laughs) to me and even location wise they it could be like the same team yeah uh, no, i totally get what you mean but denver took it and yeah okc and the rockets was pretty fun just because it was a team that made like trades within each other right and like, the whole westbrook harden thing exactly um so it was fun i mean the rockets took it both super competitive and then the east was a lot more boring there were three sweeps boston swept 76ers Raptors swept the Nets, Heat swept the Pacers, and the Bucks almost swept the Magic 4-1. So just a whole lot less excitement over there. Yeah, I mean, there's like way more clear powerhouses in the East, at least when it comes to like the top two or three teams. Yeah, like so, the top versus the bottom. Yeah, like we know Milwaukee is really good. We knew Boston was really good. Toronto, defending champ, so they were going to do good. Kawhi, yeah. yeah. Miami's kind of like out of nowhere good. Like, they played good the whole season, but no one knew what was to come from them. Then, moving on to the second round or the semifinals, we have the Bucks facing Miami. And, like I said, Miami was a little better than I even realized. Uh, maybe basketball heads knew this from jump, but surprising 4 1 on the Bucks with. The Greek freak and all, even though the boy was kind of injured. Yeah. Some people saying he's a little bitch. Some (laughs) saying he's not, but he wasn't fully healthy, so you can't really blame him for that. But it was not even a competition. Like, the Heat took him, and that's when everyone was like, yo, this Heat team, they're going to be a problem. And Boston fans, which are on the other side facing Toronto, started saying, fuck, we got a problem ahead of us. But Boston was facing Toronto. Super interesting little series. They won to the seventh game. Which is crazy. Like, it shouldn't have gone that long. 
No, I mean, Toronto's good, right? I mean, they don't have Kawhi. But this Boston team is stacked. Yeah, they should have just handled them in like five or six at least. Yeah, at most. Uh, went to a game at seven. Most, yeah. Boston took it. But it kind of set like a, a tone. And we listened to people like Bill Simmons and stuff like that. And when it went this far, that's when you started hearing the Boston fans like, Damn, we're going to have a challenge with the Heat. I mean, we went to a Game 7 with Toronto, (laughs) and the Heat are looking like a power team right now. And, yeah. And we'll finish off the semis for the West in just a sec. But just to finish off the East, Miami face Boston. Pretty interesting series. Like, both young teams, both pretty fun and, like, upbeat playing style. But Miami, out of nowhere, again... Shocked me, shocked everyone, took it on a 4-2 over Boston, and Jimmy Butler was looking unstoppable right here. Maybe everyone doesn't know this, but Jimmy Butler has a little bit of, like, a bad history when it comes to... Yeah, bad reputation. Yeah, so it came from the Bulls, he got traded from there just because he's a little bit of a problem. Went to the Sixers, I believe, after that. No, Timberwolves. Timberwolves. Played with Higgins and Carl Anthony Towns, Delomio, but not the best <laughs> player. And he got bad rep over there. Like, players didn't want to play with him. He was too much. Whole practice incident. It was like a whole thing. And this dude is a good player. Goes to the Sixers. Things are looking bright. He's showing off. But then problems start happening again. He starts, like, throwing players under the bus. Just how players don't, don't give the effort. He's like... Uh, put in the work and it'll show type of player yeah he wants to see you sweat out there he wants to see you trying even if you're losing by fucking 50 so that whole like storyline was out there and for the first time you see jimmy butler like clicking with a team and everyone's like oh shit maybe he wasn't the problem the teams were probably the problem and he was right this whole time so that was kind of cool to see from his end but yeah jimmy butler and miami make it to the finals some people won't you know, write that past stuff off completely. But for me, I thought it was great to see and have him finally find his kind of family in a team. And just them overall, they work so well together. It's not like one person is carrying all the load, even though, you know, he does bring a lot of it some games. But even in the Boston series, like Tyler Hero, who is the youngest player ever to reach the conference finals at 20, born in 2000 he had a monster game and i think it was game four and they just have a lot of people contributing around and for me at least i mean we can save some of this heat stuff for in a bit but they just made basketball like fun to watch so anyway let's get back to the west for who they would play i mean we know it's the lakers but just how they got there so yeah the Lakers face off against the Rockets, a matchup we've seen before. You have LeBron and AD facing what's pretty much Westbrook and Harden, two of the best former MVPs. We thought this was going to be a little bit of a tougher fight for the Lakers, but it wasn't. Yeah, and it's also still weird for me to see Harden and Westbrook on the same team. You know, we were talking about that Rockets-Thunder stuff earlier, but I don't know. They just can't seem to, like, gel together. Not the biggest fan of either of them. It is super strange for me, too, to watch them play together. They're very different playing styles. Harden is, like, more laid back and 
flopping and jump shots and Westbrook is like a dog that plays hard in your face, gonna High dunk energy, on you, yeah. rebound every time. I don't think it's gonna work for the Rockets um, unless they add some other piece, and it kind of showed. I mean, the Lakers took this one four to one. Yeah, it wasn't even close. Yeah, and then there was, like I mentioned, this idea, this narrative all season that the Lakers would play the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals, and that was, you know, after Kawhi signed with the Clippers and Paul George is part of that team, and it was supposed to be this battle for the city. And the Clippers go up 3-1 and blow it to the Nuggets. The Nuggets come back once again from 3-1 and somehow pull it off. Kawhi and Paul George both flop in Game 7, zero points in the fourth quarter that game, and they got dragged for it after, as they should. Playoff P. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, that was like a self-made name, right? Yeah. I mean, remove it, erase it. I saw Pandemic P also. <laughs> That's more like it. Yeah, it was horrific. Uh, the team looked deflated after Denver tied it like 3-3. It almost... You could tell it was like, oh, Denver's taking this in, like, the last game. They just, I don't know what happened to them, and that's exactly what happened. Denver came back, and another 3-1 comeback, uh, something that Golden State suffered in the internet, like, the last couple of years for going through with the Cavs. Uh, Although that was in the finals, but yeah. Yeah, can't forget that. <laughs> it was in the finals, for sure, higher stakes, but... To do it back-to-back on the playoffs is pretty strong, especially with the Denver team. That Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're good, but it's pretty impressive. Um, So, yeah, shout-out to them. However, would have been more fun to see the Lakers face the Clippers. And on the next round, the Lakers face Denver. And, again, it wasn't that fun. The Lakers took it 4-1. to But I do think the Nuggets kept it close, like, the whole series. Like, it wasn't, like... A washout or anything yeah they weren't like super blowouts or anything but we knew that there was gonna be no 3-1 comeback on on this one yeah uh, just on the nuggets in general i feel like they not quite like the heat in what i was saying but they were also an interesting and exciting team to watch not only for their kind of comeback abilities but you know some people like jokic to me, it was all about Jamal Murray. I mean, he just, you know, talking about these rising stars, establishing their names more, he went off. Like, he was going crazy, caring so much by himself. And there's a point in one of the Lakers games where, you know, friend of the pod, Solomon, he was also really into Jamal Murray. And we were just texting each other about the game, like, while it's happening. And... There was one stretch where he was just like lights out, like not missing anything. And all we could even write was just, you know, like you type random letters on the keyboard and (laughs) just like, that's all you can say for how crazy it is. Like super props to him for an incredible playoffs. I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye on him more going forward. Like I was aware of him, but I was just really impressed this year specifically by what he was doing. So Shout out Jamal Murray. Yeah, I mean, his performance was something special, too. On a Dame level, almost, where, like, Mm -hmm. he's good, but you just almost don't notice him. Or, like, you mention a bunch of names before he even comes up in the conversation. And he's been on my radar a little bit because I did, like, a basketball fantasy thing one year, and he was on my team, and he did pretty good. 
So it was one of those where, like, not on purpose, but on purpose, like, I'm aware of him. <laughs> only because of fantasy. But, yeah, shout out to him. Like, keep it going and hope he keeps that same energy, I guess, you know. All right, so we're down to the finals. Heat first Lakers. What were your thoughts, like, going into it? Like, how would you feel about the matchup? Like, it was interesting and who you thought would win or in how many games, etc.? Fun for sure. The Jimmy narrative, Tyler Hero, those narratives are cool. Like the young kids. Yeah, even Duncan Robinson, undrafted, but playing a huge role. Bam, also killing it. That was all well and good. I also don't really like the Celtics, so it was like, fuck it. Like, I don't want the Celtics <laughs> up there, even though it would have been fun because, you know, the Lakers and Celtics have a rivalry, rivalry yeah. that dates back like decades. Uh, but I knew the Lakers were champions from jump. The Miami team was good, just not good enough for AD and LeBron, like, period. That The rest of the team is whatever. I mean, let's not mention Kuzma or, I don't know, KCP, who actually played decent. But I knew this wasn't going to be the most challenging for the Lakers. I thought the Lakers would take it in five. I was wrong. I'll admit that. But, yeah, I mean, when the series was set, I kind of knew the Lakers were champs. But, I don't know. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I was hoping for seven, knowing that was very likely not going to happen. It did get, I wouldn't say closer to that than I thought, because I thought six was somewhat realistic. But I thought either way, I was definitely up for it. The Heat were by far the most interesting and exciting team out of the East for me, and really the most exciting out of the playoffs for me in general. So I wanted to see them keep playing and with the Lakers, one thing that we haven't brought up yet is that since the beginning of this, you know, bubble postseason and even before the pandemic started, ever since the end of January, there's been a narrative and for good reason that the Lakers were going to win the championship this year, not just because they were arguably the best team in the league and have LeBron, but because Kobe died in January, which we did an episode on where we talked about, you know, how important he was to us specifically and to the NBA as a whole. You could say top three players all time with LeBron and MJ. And it was kind of a thing of like, they want to win this year for Kobe. And obviously they already wanted to win badly, but it was like this extra layer And I think once you hit the finals and you saw them playing this Heat team who went beyond everyone's expectations, have a lot of heart, a lot of great pieces, work together well as a team, but at the end of the day, they're still like young and not super experienced. So when you saw them matching up against the Lakers, it was kind of like, yeah, it's probably inevitable that the Lakers will win. After every game, after... No matter if it was a win or a loss, I feel like you would hear Kobe and let's do this for Kobe and the whole, uh, what was it, the Kobe jerseys. And yeah, the Mamba jerseys. Everyone seemed to be playing on Kobe sneakers, except for LeBron, obviously, but <laughs> he had like Kobe colorways on his shoes, which right. respect, do what you got to do, King James. <laughs> but everyone else seemed to be playing in Kobe's. I saw like the coaches, the staff with Kobe's, there were ceremonies before the games. It was like for Kobe, and 
LeBron, being who he is, we know LeBron has an ego and he has his own narrative comparing him to Michael Jordan, you know, the whole deal and the rings and being in the playoffs as much as he is and not winning all of them. So it's like LeBron is focused on winning this shit. Everyone else is wanting to winning this, whether because they want to win or because of Kobe and that whole thing. But it was just like whatever you needed to inspire you to win, it was there for the team and they were going to make that shit happen. And that was easy to notice. Before we get into the games real quick, would you agree that the Lakers are the Yankees of the NBA? I I wasn't ready for this question. (laughs) I'm looking through the notes here and I don't see it. But why do you say that? <laughs> like, convince me. I mean, I'm not opposed to it. I'm thinking about it right now. But. Well, I mean, so, all right. Basically, what I mean by that is they're kind of this super legendary classic franchise. Won, like, the most titles in the league. I think the Lakers have, right? And they have so many legends that have played for them. They're probably the most rooted for team in the NBA, etc. And super loyal fan base in the city where they're at, all that. But basically, I bring it up in the sense of, like, with this Kobe storyline, like, do you think that usually people might have hated more on the Lakers? And there's a lot of LeBron haters also. But do you think that this year people were either a little more on their side or weren't as mad at them winning and we'll get to them winning but mad at even the idea of them winning because of the kobe stuff that is a pretty good point and by the way yeah how you put it i could see the lakers (laughs) as the yankees of basketball it's a compliment to them but let's move on um yeah i can agree with what you just said I think when the whole Kobe tragedy happened, there was like a universal agreement of like, holy shit, whether you like the Lakers or you don't, it'd be insane if the Lakers win it. And obviously, in the name of Kobe, just like take it this year. Yeah. And I can agree with you, like with coworkers and like conversations, people that aren't even like lakers fans and they're like yeah it's the lakers year and you almost can't hate on them like you look like a dick if you were hating on the lakers you know and i mean didn't stop everyone but no i mean yeah (laughs) the the haters are out there you can't (laughs) can't stop the haterade but i can agree with that there was like a more i guess of a universal agreement of like everyone being okay with the lakers taking it yeah so i mean in terms of the series itself went to game six which we'll kind of go over the stretch of but one thing to start it off you know we're gonna do a separate mlb playoffs episode once that wraps up but i'm not used to them being at the same time so it was really weird for there to be the finals going on at the same time as the baseball playoffs which you know you and i are more baseball fans than basketball and again with the yankees we're yankees fans and i'm the most invested in Yankee playoff games than anything else. So it was like really distracting for me to be so invested in the Yankees while the NBA finals are going on. Again, they're not usually happening at the same time. So I was like somewhat sucked out of the finals because of that. Like my mind was really focused on the Yankees 
and you know we're not going to get <laughs> into the details but the Yankees lost in heartbreaking fashion during the first half of game five of the NBA finals and I was like in a daze like I couldn't really focus on it because I was just in the dumps the rest of that night yeah uh, I feel like I wasn't as invested as I could have been on playoff basketball mostly because of the same reason too my anxiety was filled with uh, Yankee thoughts you know I couldn't (laughs) spend any much more on any other sport and same I was actually with like some friends and we had the Laker game and the Yankee game Yankees lose or like they give up the home run or whatever and I don't even remember like watching the Laker game I think I was on my phone the rest of the time didn't pay attention Lakers ended up losing that game and I kind of didn't give a fuck it was like oh they're gonna win regardless but my Yankees aren't gonna win (laughs) feel bad for me please (laughs) you know it was kind of like one of those moments but hey no one gives a fuck and yeah it was like an interesting dynamic to have two major sports like that with playoffs at the same time obviously the NBA was on the finals which is a little bit more important at least at this point but yeah because I mean The Yankees were in the division series, which, you know, for people who don't know, there's two more rounds after that. But to us, like in the heat of that moment, it feels like it could be the World Series, you know, like it's such high intensity games. And the one that they ended on was game five, the do or die. So, yeah, it was just I found myself not as invested in the finals overall as I could have been otherwise. Let's get sports back to normal so that we don't have to share playoff spots. Right. But going off that, so in that game five, you know, skipping ahead throughout the series, there was like some injury problems with the Heat. The Lakers were like inconsistent. LeBron was pushing them through, though. AD had some good moments. But in that game five, they could have finished it off then. They were up three to one, could have put it away, went down to the very end. The whole game, Jimmy Butler did incredible. He only rested for, what, like, it was 45 seconds or something like that. 45 seconds or something. And he just put on an incredible performance. Duncan Robinson had 26 points. Like, I watched the replays the next day of, like, highlights and stuff because, like I said, I was so out of it. And, like, that was a really impressive game for them. And even for them to just be competing in the series in the way that they did, I thought was impressive and kind of you know shows what they were about all playoffs but yeah I mean even after game five it was like it'd still be a lot for them to pull off two more wins against this Lakers team yeah it was a very impressive game at least for the Heat and at this point they're playing without like their main point guard Dragic or whatever his name is uh, who's a pretty good player I think he's usually up there with like the all-stars and yeah and bam didn't play in game two or game three one of those right exactly so they're playing with like this b team right now um they're still pretty good but they're playing up to par with the lakers and it was like impressive the lakers came back tie the game took the lead but he never gave up and they're like making clutch threes and playing insane defense i mean that's mostly jimmy just stealing balls and like blocking um which is super impressive and from that point you're like holy shit this heat team could be a problem for like the next couple years if it stays with this core so that was like something good to see but it's something that 
it would be hard for them to replicate like two more times like you said it would be impossible for them to do that like twice back to back to beat the lakers and yeah and like we said the lakers were on a mission with kobe and even before that and you have the best player in the league lebron and you know many people say he's the best all time so when you have him on the court even if the rest of your offense is inconsistent you still do have an incredibly great player in ad even though i have very mixed feelings about him but he is you know nonetheless an impact player and then you have these other pieces and even veterans like rondo and stuff like that so it was just too much for them at the end of the day and you know they gave it everything they got but like i said they're still a very young team so they don't have all that experience yet which they still really proved that they could handle themselves without that but this will make them a lot stronger and game six the lakers blew them out wasn't even close but it was just kind of like they had nothing in the tank there were other injury stuff like you know they could only do so much but i think the heat like you said if they keep this core could be competitive for years to come and if they add like one or two more pieces to kind of help solidify the foundation they could really do damage and like we were saying before jimmy butler has kind of found his team home in miami and with these guys and they all gel together really well and now they've made it to game six of the finals so they have that experience under their belt you mentioned something earlier that we can't just fly over like that but (laughs) What are your mixed feelings about AD? (laughs) Uh, He's just not totally reliable, in my opinion. And he's just one of those players that, for some reason, I don't like. I don't know what exactly it is about him, but I just don't really like watching him play. Is it the unibrow? No. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) I rest my case. (laughs) Interesting. I mean, he's one of those players that it's like the opposite of the Damian Lillard's and Jamal Murray's where like he's almost overhyped everyone loves him he's like a first team all type player all defensive player as well like back-to-back years or some shit he's really good on that end the whole thing with him is I guess he's like a center or tall player they usually play down low but he can also like dribble and shoot threes which you don't see often but he's like one of a kind type player and i don't know i feel like i don't usually hear people hating on him like that so (laughs) yo shout out to you for putting that out there yeah he's on my cons list wow (laughs) what do you think also just real quick in that same way you know you're talking about the bad rep that jimmy butler had before and now what he showed in these playoffs and putting it all on the line like for you personally what do you think of him now, like, with all that history and with what just happened? I never disliked Jimmy, even through, like, that whole... Yeah, I mean, I never thought it was, like, He's like, like a the black deal. sheep, you know? Um, Media blows stuff out of proportion all yeah, the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know how I feel about journalists. <laughs> <laughs> I never disliked him. I actually liked him. It's one of the players that, like, if he went to the Knicks, I would have been gassed up and, like, would have been rooted <laughs> for him. And I think it's positive. It kind of balances him out i feel like again he was looked at like this black sheep and like bad teammate and now it's kind of like oh he's not bad at all if anything he's a great teammate and like a great leader and someone that like you want young players to 
grab information and plain stuff from him and just be like him and just be like a strong character in a do you call them clubhouses in basketball locker room locker room there it is it's the baseball mentality <laughs> but i think this whole playoffs was like good and if anything like a big win for jimmy butler even though they weren't the champions but his narrative is almost like a 180 from what it was a year ago and also shout out to his coffee brand which i think i brought up briefly but he basically for people who don't know started this like coffee company while in the bubble called big face coffee and he sells every size small medium or large at the same price 20 bucks and it was kind of like a marketing thing to set it at that price and he's like you know players can afford it comes right from his room whole setup i don't like coffee so i don't know the details but he would wear like merch with it too like lululemon offered to make all the clothes for him he just seems like he's playing chess on all these different levels. So just kind of a fun extra side story with it. Yeah, respect. What about the LeBron narrative, though? Like, in terms of something we've talked about before, him versus MJ, do you think this changes that conversation much or at all? Like, in my opinion, whatever side you were on, even before this finals happened, you're going to stay on that side. Like, to me... As we've said before, MJ is like my goat, even though I could agree with LeBron's maybe the best technically player of all time. But do you think this LeBron win brings over any people to his side? I've never heard you say anything as outrageous as MJ number <laughs> one, but I only believe I didn't hear that. <laughs> this playoff being like a positive thing experience for him, I think LeBron could also have maybe just as good of a playoff obviously he got the chip and that's part of it but when the lebron came to the lakers it became this whole story of like how much longer can lebron do this is he past his prime obviously they didn't get it on his first year there and didn't even make the playoffs didn't make the playoffs so that made it look even but worse he was, like injured too yeah and they had they didn't have the best team also i mean yeah. ad came later but it's something where, like, he showed, like, yo, I still got this. and right. for sure. I agree with that. Not, like, Peyton Manning on his last Super Bowl, like, oh, I'm playing, like, on a broken leg. This is it. I'm going to give it all. Nah, it's like, I could do this for, like, another five years type of thing. And you could tell that, like, he was carrying the team, even though he wasn't the one, like, only scoring. But no, that he carried it for sure. He, like, carried and he was, like, the leader they could have played this whole series probably without a fucking coach and like lebron would have handled it i mean they pretty much did you never think about frank Vogel at all yeah no not at all uh <laughs> he's like a second thought and this is like good for him i still think like the lebron haters are out there obviously everyone's still mj over jordan that's like not even a conversation outside of my head but I feel like with one more, it becomes a way more serious conversation and something that I think he's chasing for sure. What was this now? His fifth? Four. Fourth. And MJ six, right? Yeah. So it still won't be the same, but it's something that'll like bring it closer. And obviously it'll, it's just like his prime and like his dominance has gone for so long that it's super right. impressive. So that'll probably be like next year's narrative. We're like, oh, mm -hmm. but this one, this is like the actual test to LeBron and blah, blah, blah. And that's going to be it, like literally until he breaks down. Yeah, I mean, I think also, you know, we joke about this or at least I'm like somewhat joking, but I think you can't 
really compare them because MJ, it was such like a limited run. Like he had this crazy decade-ish run and LeBron has been more sustainable over his whole career and more impressive over his whole career. I mean, he made the finals this whole decade, right? Like, and that's, you know, again, it goes even beyond that and he's still not done. Basically, what I'm trying to say is like MJ, to me, again, this goes back to the Last Dance episode. Like, I never really saw him play in his prime. Like, I wasn't old enough, even born yet in some of the instances to see that. But because of that, he had this kind of mythical stature, like almost this Babe Ruth quality to him. So that's like why I see him as this like magical person. But there's no denying, like, LeBron has been insane his whole career from his rookie year to now. And like you said, even though he's older, he's, like, proven he's still as amazing as ever. Put this team on his back, even with a little help from AD. And it still just showed, like, he's the best player right now by far. Like, it's not even close. And, again, when people say LeBron over MJ, like, I'm not even going to argue with you. Like, I get it. And I don't even necessarily disagree. I think it's just personal opinion on, like, when you were born, kind of what your perspective is. But, yeah, I mean, how much longer do you think he can go? Like, without getting too much into it, but you think the Lakers can win one or two more chips with him there? I think they have one more. I think two would be a lot. Just because they'd have to, like, pay and, you know, give more contracts and AD and... It doesn't solely rely on LeBron, but I think that if not next year, the year after, they can take it for sure. And after that, it'll probably be like the downfall. Mm. But he shows that if he can stay healthy, like he's going to make it happen. And also just adding on to what I was saying, like in baseball, you know, we're both the Yankees fans from our, you know, Bronx roots. And in basketball, I would sometimes watch Nick games growing up, but never really got into them like that. I never really had, like, one solid basketball team that I rooted for. Still don't. I guess I just kind of go for whoever's interesting and exciting to watch at that time. And, you know, that's come in different waves, like the Pistons when they had, you know, Chauncey Billups, Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, Tayshaun Prince for Hamilton. Like, I loved that team. That was one of my first teams that I got really into. But there hasn't been one in a while. I don't even remember the last team I would say, but this Heat team I would say is like finally a team overall, not just specific players, but a whole team that I'm into. So, you know, going forward, if they again keep this group, I'm excited to like watch them and root for them and love Jimmy, love Tyler Hero, love Duncan Robinson, love Bam. Like, they're all great. So, should be fun. For me, I think basketball is more like uh, per player. Like growing yeah. up. I mean, most people it is now. Yeah. Growing up, even from what I remember, like back in DR, like I'd hear kids saying like Kobe and shit. So that was like my early memory of basketball and like Kobe. So I liked the Lakers, I guess. Once I moved to New York and came to the States, I kind of became a Knicks fan just by like association and. I could still kind of call myself a Nick fan just because there was like this weird love that grew in me for them just because they're so bad. It's like, 
this no, is, I know what you mean. This yeah. is my Cubs team. You know, we might go 100 <laughs> years without winning it, but I'm going to be here for, like, that story. Yeah. And that was okay for me because I'm also a Yankee fan, so I know I was going to get my wins for that. Right. Like, my championships were going to come from the Yankees, so I could like a bad team. That was, like, my yeah, weird yeah. mentality yeah, about it. Yeah, it's like it. yin and yang. Yeah, exactly. I'm also, like, a football Giants fan, and we got our couple dubs against the Patriots, so that also helped, but... For basketball, I've always just been interested on, like, players. And this Miami team is for sure interesting. But outside of the Knicks, if I had to pick someone to root for at the moment, it'd probably be Luka. Hmm, So I wish him well. But I wouldn't be mad if Miami gets a chip sometime soon with this core. So we talked about, like, the bubble in general and kind of pro and con that in terms of how it worked. But in terms of these playoffs overall... And how they went from start to finish, would you pro or con that in general? I'd for sure pro it. We did mention some things that we con, just like the Suns not making it and, you know, having some shittier teams and like more of the inevitable things where like the East is like kind of overpowered by a couple teams. So it made it like not as fun and some of the matchups we would have liked to seen. But again, we don't control any of that. Outside of that, how everything went, how smooth the bubble went, the performances we saw from players, buzzer beaters, some of the plays. It's hard to con this, and even to say, like, a light pro would be, it won't do it justice. I'd give it, like, a solid pro overall. Super entertaining. It's also, like, 2020, something that I feel like we needed. We needed entertainment. We needed sports to be back and set some sort of tone to like us being somewhat normal again even though there were other problems that came with it but solid to major pro overall yeah i think that kind of nails it on the head like i wouldn't call it the heaviest pro possible because i would reserve that for like a game seven down to the wire stuff like that or even a game six down to the wire but pretty much the whole time it was interesting and The playoffs overall are a little bit long, which I think we've mentioned on last year's episode, but I just thought they were pretty entertaining start to finish this year, and so many narratives, so many storylines, a lot of entertainment, a lot of good shots, a lot of close games, and like a bunch of series, even in like we said, the Lakers-Nuggets series, like even though on paper you see it and it was like 4-1, they were still close like the whole time and it was an interesting series so i think overall it was definitely in that solid to heavy pro range and i mean i'm happy with it so that wraps it up for this episode of pros and cons i'm kev you can find me at same old kev pretty much everywhere and i'm jack you can find me at jack bloom summer summer with an o on everything obj over mj kobe